I would say that's a pretty big idea behind a lot of the comfort zone is we are pushing ourselves out of our comfort because these survivors or these people that we're hoping to um, shine a light on are uncomfortable literally constantly. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up and welcome to episode 76 of Life in Motion. I've got Savannah Holmes and Kaylee Wilcox who are the ones behind the comfort zone. On March 1st, they will circumnavigate a thousand kilometers around Vancouver Island by both bike and foot to raise awareness for the nonprofit You Go Girl, which provides healing for survivors of childhood sexual assault. I'm looking forward to learning more about their journey and more importantly about how they're using this adventure to shed light on something so important. Thank you both for being on the show today. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, um, you all have a pretty big adventure uh, coming up. But before we get into that, uh, you know, obviously, uh, one of the reasons you're doing it to raise awareness and that kind of stuff. Let's take it back a little bit with basically, um, you know, who you all are, where you grew up, basically, how did you get um, kind of in this journey in itself and kind of end up to where you are today? So um, Savannah, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'm Savannah. Uh, I grew up uh, kind of in the Vancouver Island area, moved around a ton. Um, I'm currently based out in Alberta, actually, which isn't too convenient (laughs) for training. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and so I'm just a writer, actually, at the moment. Um, And then I've just dedicated the rest of my time to, to the comfort zone. Awesome. So you said you're a writer at the moment? Yeah, like with the W, not the R. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just doing some uh, virtual work at the moment. Cool. So it, with that, is it, it, it does it kind of fit the the lifestyle that you're in now, or is it just kind of different um, freelance work? Or yeah, you know, I needed something flexible. Obviously, um, in pursuit of these challenges, your schedule is all over the place, and it demands a lot of time. So. <laughs> having a nine to five job is not totally feasible at the moment. So with this, you can get up at all hours of the day and just kind of plot away at your work. Um, but you know, it has actually transferred a lot into the work that I do and kind of the role I have in the comfort zone with uh, marketing and stuff. So it's, it's been mutually beneficial in all areas of life. That That's awesome. That's awesome. And Kaylee, what about yourself? Um, so I, so I'm Kaylee and, uh, I grew up in Alaska. Um, I was born and raised here and I'm currently a cross country ski coach, um, with middle school and elementary age kids. And then I also have, um, a little small business here, which is, which is pretty fun and kind of the same as Savannah, uh, having a nine to five job, just first off, wasn't really something I ever necessarily wanted. I really like to be active and be moving. Um, and I wanted to coach to be able to make a difference in the kids' lives because that's what my coaches did for me. Um, and so, so everything that both of us are kind of doing really enable us to do these extreme physical challenges and also um, allow us to have like the passion for what we're doing, which is, which is super fun. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, being the, that cross country coach as well, or cross country ski coach is probably pretty exciting in itself. So 
obviously where you all grew up, there's a lot of opportunity to be outdoors and that kind of stuff. So with, I guess y'all's interest in the outdoors and those different activities and that kind of stuff, was that just kind of a product of your environment or like family trips or like what, what were some of those kind of hobbies, you know, growing up that really like kind of solidified, you know, obviously to still be doing this, you know, down the road. I think, um, well, I guess for me, the saying like <laughs> absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, I, in my childhood was very active. We lived throughout the States and then Canada and obviously just like you said, product of the environment, but my teen years were spent overseas um, in Uganda. And so I, I didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of this stuff um, during my teen years. And then when I moved back at 19, I was like obsessed. Like I had been so deprived of the opportunity to just like throw a pair of biking or sorry, hiking boots on or like go on my bike. And so when I came back, it was just like almost addictive because it had been so long. So I think for me, the, you know, I was introduced to it as a child and then the passion kind of grew just from being so deprived of it for, over five years, I guess. Um, I think Kaylee, what, what would you say? Uh, mine is definitely a product of the environment. Uh, we have tons and tons and tons of outdoor things to do here. And also growing up as a competitive cross-country skier in this, we train year round. And so in the summers we would go out and hike as a training session or go out and mountain bike. And so I just grew this love for, being outside in Alaska is, I think it's super beautiful. <laughs> I'm partial. <laughs> and, and yeah, there's just endless amounts of things to do here. So definitely a product of my environment for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I've never been to Alaska um, or really any of the other Uganda for instance either. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it's amazingly beautiful. And that sounds like some pretty fun um, kind of off season training as well. If you're, you know, so quote unquote training, but you're hiking or mountain biking or doing something like that. Obviously I'm sure to keep your endurance up and whatnot, but, um, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but chilly. Yeah. Well, yeah. But <laughs> so, um, for you, uh, Kaylee, as far as the cross country kind of, you know, obviously if you said you grew up within that sport with the skiing, what, what kind of led you to, want to be involved with it in kind of the aspect that you are now, like actually coaching kids and doing that. Cause obviously, you know, it's one thing from doing it yourself and listening to someone tell you how to do this and do that and kind of help you along that path. But it's obviously a different mindset when you're, when you're in the other pair of shoes, you know? So what, what was it about that that kind of kept you um, involved and wanted to kind of give back in that way? Yeah. I had amazing, amazing coaches that really made a huge impact in my life. And I really just wanted to be able to kind of, I, I'm coaching where I grew up skiing. Um, and, and so being able to come back in full circle was really, really cool. And, and like I said, just, you know, if I'm able to impact or make a difference in one kid's life, then then it's totally worth it to me because, you know, that that's just what my coaches did to me. And so, and that was really big for me. I, you know, I grew up and I had great parents, but like going and skiing and having a coach that was just there to listen and give advice when I needed it, or, you know, 
technique advice, even people that I was comfortable with, that was huge. And sometimes that's missing in athletes. And, and I'm, I'm only working with like younger age kids, but being able to give them that good, fun foundation and trust in coaches is something that I really wanted to be able to do. And, um, and I hope that I'm, I hope that I'm doing that, but that was really the reason why I, I had great coaches and I wanted to, to come back and kind of give back to that. that that's awesome. And, you know, I guess you can kind of relate that to, you know, there's kind of always that one school teacher that, you know, kind of paid extra attention to you or whatnot that, you know, you could say, well, maybe if they didn't do this, I wouldn't end up where I'm at today or, or vice versa, or even some experiences I've had. Um, I grew up riding BMX bikes. So I went to uh, action sports camps and that kind of stuff. And not that that's necessarily the same level, but there's still some similar um, interactions in that way too. So it's, it's cool that you've, you obviously took on to that while you were a kid and now being able to give that back as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really great. Yeah. That, no, that's awesome. And then, um, Savannah, so you said, you know, you obviously bounced around, uh, quite a bit, um, uh, get, going just about everywhere on that list you, you rattled off. And so it was kind of a, you know, you were, you were missing out on the opportunity to kind of get outdoors and, and all that stuff, or, you know, kind of, maybe lost sight of it during all that stuff. But what, what was it, what was it about it once you kind of injected yourself back into kind of that lifestyle that kind of kept you there? Was it like a, like a sense of freedom, a sense of clarity that kind of gave you where it's, you know, you know, you're out out and about outdoors doing, doing whatever, but it kind of just lets you set your mind off or like what, I guess, continued that for you to to stay involved once you kind of got back in it. Yeah, great question. I think, um, well, I think, yeah, there's a certain degree of uh, like mental clarity that comes from just being outside. And um, as I transitioned from a third world culture back into the first world, I kind of was overwhelmed by the consumerism and how competitive things had become, obviously leaving as like a 14 year old and then coming back at 19, quite a shift. And it was like, it was my space to decompress. And it was, it just kind of restored me to that, like simplicity of life, taking it back to like, just feeling your lungs expand as you're like flying up this mountain or yeah, definitely uh, very like liberating as well. And I think I, I initially used it for um, kind of the mental that like just the the mental help that it brought into my life but eventually it just became like you know you get stronger so you take on a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually that kind of like the physical aspect of it it just kind of left me with the thought of like okay how much how much further could I go how much faster could I go? <laughs> and then that kind of became like the addictive step for me that's awesome you kind of be able to challenge yourself and yeah that's a great point too about kind of the the mental aspect of it because you know, when you're doing those activities, you know, that, that part of the, the brain, you know, that, you know, it has all these worries and all this other stuff that's going on in, in the regular day-to-day life that kind of switches off and you're just kind of just in a state of kind of flow in a sense, at least that's my, my experience at least. So yeah, great word choice. Definitely. Flow. Yeah. Def- so, so obviously you all had uh, 
uh, you know, pretty involved in the outdoors and adventures and stuff growing up and kind of to where you are now. Um, so let's transition a little bit into the comfort zone. Um, you know, kind of what is that? Where did the idea come from? What is, what is the idea behind it? Like what, what, what should we all know about that? Great question. (laughs) Um, so the comfort zone, it's new. It's a fresh little guy. Um, so I guess in January, um, I, yeah, very, very, very recent. So I, um, I guess similar to what I discussed previously is having lived in a third world country, I was a little bit, um, maybe hyper aware of some of the circumstances that people live in. And what's interesting is when you see suffering, it translates through borders. So you just become a little bit more vulnerable to noticing it, whether it's the homeless population in your current city or whether it's, you know, stories from your time overseas. Um, And so I was a little bit hyper vigilant towards that. And um, a lot of times in my past, I've, I've kind of just, stifled that you know and like okay let's get on with life you know I have a job to work and and whatnot and um that was probably the first moment in January where I I was I was running a half marathon it was like 2 a.m in the morning and I was just out running and I just kind of saw this whole thing come together and I was like what if I could use something I'm exceptionally passionate about to uh and it's become our tagline you know what if I could use my my love for challenge to initiate change and that just kind of sent me down this freaky rabbit hole because my (laughs) mind was wild and I kind of thought about you know using something that I was so passionate about to alleviate some of the suffering that I was seeing Um, and it it started with uh, the 500 barefoot run that was kind of our first expedition that I tried with um, a girl from or Kelowna, I guess. Um, and we, you know, we set out to do that. We did it for kids in Uganda and it was a awesome success. And I finished that and most people would be relieved, you know, you're like, that would have been the worst experience of your entire life. And it was, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I finished and I was, I was more sad to end it. And then that's when I thought, okay, this isn't going to be a one-time thing. Um, and so I published our current challenge and that's kind of when Kaylee came into the picture, um, which was all, you know, divine alignment in my mind, because um, I didn't want to do this next challenge alone, but I had invited several people. And, and for some strange reason, I really <laughs> couldn't tell you, but no one wanted to do it. <laughs> I just posted it and, and Kaylee reached out and, and then we kind of started running from there. That's awesome. So I, I guess I should have asked this in the beginning. So, so you all didn't know each other prior to the beginning of this year? No. We have quite the love story. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're chatting like you've been friends forever. So obviously it's a good, good relationship going on there. So I, I, I guess I didn't realize that or really even think to, to mention that. So, so what did you, did you, so you came up with the idea for the comfort zone and then you just, you, you stumbled upon her on, or on the comfort zone online or something, or how, how did that kind of work? Um, kind of. So our parents actually knew each other before well you were born I was born I was not born Mm -hmm. um and they met and they totally hit it off and 
for over for a really long time I've just heard about the homes and Savannah and how awesome they are and then eventually it turned into you should reach out to Savannah because I have a lot of similar passions as Savannah mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that she was starting up and doing were things that I wanted to do uh, and so eventually I just was like okay I'm gonna do it and then <laughs> and then I sent her this message and I was like okay if you want to do the challenge alone like I don't want to step on your toes but if you want that about 10 times I did too. I did <laughs> and I was like but if you don't mind I'd love to hop in and then that kind of turned into me hopping into not just the challenge but more like all of it yeah and and then we met Two days ago? Two days, two days ago. ago. You're on day two of us actually knowing each other. <laughs> oh, so this is your first like time actually with each other? Yeah. In person. We've just done um, weekly calls, but otherwise, yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome. I, yeah. That's uh, and especially, you know, obviously the story with, you know, y'all's parents knowing each other way, way, way back or however long ago that was. And then kind of now, now you, you all finally met each other in person. Like I said, it, it sounds like you all hit it off great, you know, so that that's, that's really cool. And obviously both passionate about the same thing. So that's awesome. awesome. So, so, you, so you kind of had this, this realization that, you know, you want to take these, these challenges and, and sort of do good or shed light in a way to that um, at all times, you know, my, my 2am runs, you know, usually come up with my best ideas as well, but uh <laughs> Uh, so, the, so the first challenge you did by yourself, it, it was, what was it again? The barefoot 500? Yeah. So it was a 500 kilometer run barefoot, um, <laughs> <laughs> during a heat wave too, which is great. So yeah, that was in June. Um, just destroyed my body, wrecked everything, broke everything. And then I thought, woo, <laughs> let's do it one more time. <laughs> so what, what was I guess for something like that, like what, what was like the terrain? Like, like, what was, was that something that, you know, you'd, you'd already kind of been a runner and all that stuff and yeah. you just kind of signed up for it and went there or was there any training involved in, in that case? Or like, what was that like? Yeah. Um, so I decided to like build it out. Um, I have this thing. I'm not really interested in doing something that's already been done. So when I decided to do it, um, everyone told me to do a hundred and then I was like, well, I'll do five because, well. uh, so that was kind of my theory behind developing it. Um, I had actually been off of running for about a year, maybe a little bit more. I, I'd run a little bit as a kid and, and I always enjoyed it, but I was like this sprinter, like I'd fly, drain myself out and walk home. Well, you know, my sister and my mom would finish the run. Cause I just could not, <laughs> I had no endurance. <laughs> I had no, um, so the fact that I went into that was, um, kind of a loony thing as well, but, um, yeah, I just, the terrain was, well, we rerouted, we were supposed to run, um, around the Okanagan, um, and, you know, it was just going to be around the Okanagan Lake there. And it was just on the side of a highway, actually. Um, we, we drove it and, uh, it's very interesting when you, when you see pavement outside your window, you're like, yeah, yeah, that looks smooth. And then when you actually <laughs> on it, you discover how, how terrible you chose the road. <laughs> so we had some pretty gnarly conditions for sure. Uh, we ended up rerouting and we just 
so um because my feet broke and literally the, broke yeah <laughs> and they, then they literally broke yeah they literally broke yeah we had metatarsals and it were nice and crunched um <laughs> so yeah i i ended up i did like three or four days um just like on the highway and then i ended up running an 800 meter circle on grass for like the remaining hundred or whatever we were looking at kilometers um so that was a mental that was definitely a mental break for me um and then the training was was quite funny I you know I recruited a lot of professionals that's something I like to do I obviously don't have the intention of injuring myself um I'm still young so <laughs> I'd like to, to to move around a bit more um but you know I had to especially with extreme physical things like this, that, you know, there's not really a training plan you can Google. Um, <laughs> I had to decide what advice I was going to listen to and what advice I was going to challenge. And um, a lot of the advice that I ended up challenging was kind of the amount and the peak of intensity. So I went from not running to having three months to train for this really. Um, and I had a personal trainer and I was kind of making sure like I was getting balanced, but otherwise I would just go out and run till I like felt like I was going to die every day, basically. And it actually kind of worked like I would, <laughs> but yeah, we ended up and I would do back to back. So I would do like a half marathon to a full marathon, a half marathon and few doubles as well. Cause that was, a, that's a big thing with endurance, uh, training is you know, you're not waking up the next day feeling fresh. You're kind of waking up at your 70%. And then by your fourth day or fifth day, you're maybe waking up at 40%. And you've got to figure out how to achieve the same distance with far less energy. So, so what, um, so what, what kept you motivated during that time? I mean, I'm thinking about that, like myself, um, I've like, I can ride a bike as long as I want. I'd say that obviously with the asterisk, but like running, I have never really been, I don't know if good as I always get like a little side splints and that kind of stuff. So I just never really enjoyed it from that aspect. Um, yeah. so, so what, like, like you said, you know, waking up, you're, you know, only feeling 70% or 60% or whatever, but you know, Hey, I got this much I got to do today. Yeah. What kept you motivated during that? So I've, I've kind of applied several philosophies. There's like the David Goggins philosophy, um, which is just like, don't think about it. And to some degree, that actually was the best thing that I did was just, I didn't think about it till I was far out. So for example, if I was running a marathon in the morning, I just would like kill myself to get the first 21 as far away from my house and then I I sometimes even didn't bring a phone because then I knew I couldn't phone anyone to come pick me up and usually at 30 kilometers or so you're just bored right like I've already done a good thing today I've run some good distances um and I find like boredom or just distraction is actually kind of the impairment in distance versus actual ability and so for me, it was just about eliminating any opportunity to quit. So whether it was not carrying a phone so I couldn't be picked up or it was going so far out that I had really no choice but to run back. Um, I kind of used that, but it was really like, don't think about it, get out the door. And then the other thing is I do create kind of reward systems for myself. Um, so it was like, 
you know, I can't start work until I put my run in. So either I'm working till 9 p.m. because I procrastinated till like 11 to go out and run or, you know, I get this done early and I can be finished and wrapped up by three, whatever that looks like. Um, and then, you know, just have a really good playlist. (laughs) (laughs) That that's awesome. I like that idea of, you know, not, not bringing your phone or, you know, making sure, you know, you get that extra long, you know, first stand where you don't have a choice, but to, you know, run that same distance back. Um, so it sounds like you're very uh, self-disciplined in in that regard. So, um, <laughs> so 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 once once you all got connected and obviously you know you're working on this this other adventure coming up soon what i guess let's let's talk about more in depth a little bit about you know what you what you all are doing why you're doing it um you know what it is is the training and getting you know prepared for that any different than some something else you know what what does all that look like um yeah go for it Uh, what what we're doing I mean so our kind of slogan I would say Mm -hmm. is seek challenge to initiate change and I think that that sums up the comfort zone so so well because that's like that's literally what we're doing we are every day we go to either I mean we I can't really kayak right now lakes are frozen but you know (laughs) we go to the gym or go out and exercise to get prepared for this intense challenge um to provide funds for for this challenge victims of childhood sexual assault and that is that's what we're you know in the future we're next summer we're going to do a bike across Alaska which is for uh, is are you Canadian? Is this for <laughs> Canadians? I don't know. It's thousand thousand kilometers and then seventeen hundred. Yeah. yeah, not thousand. Sorry. Oh, that sounds good to me. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, in miles, it's uh basically a thousand miles. Um, wow. yeah, and in hopes to make change, and you know, we know that like us going out onto these challenges, we're not going to solve the issue of childhood sexual assault, but it's all about bringing awareness and just starting that change. So it's, you know, talked about more and then you girl girl is super awesome. And, uh, just getting them, you know, rolling on their time to heal retreat so that they can filter through, I guess that's not a good word for it, but just, you know, bring in these survivors. Yeah. Um, Start making, I really do believe in the ripple effect and you kind of see it. Um, A lot of times we, we kind of hide behind our stat sheet before we just jump in and say, I'm going to make, I'm going to do, do something, make a difference. And um, you know, it can be discouraging, obviously you're like, I, you know, we do these huge challenges and maybe you're only pulling in like $10,000, $20,000 for the organizations, or you only, you know, talk to so many people, but they compound. And then you see that person go out and, and <laughs> little Eric wants to participate. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's a really big aspect is like trusting in the ripple effect of these. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, you know, like you said, the, the ripple is smet- effect. I can't speak either. Um, the ripple effect, you know, obviously, if you make a small impact, somebody else might see that impact and so on and so forth. So you're so I guess so my question is, I'm, 
how with these activities and the adventure and obviously you know what you're all are getting ready to do how is that i guess how is that being a platform i guess to raise awareness and funds is it like is it sort of like you know you get backers if you will say so they'll donate x amount to to help you know on for it and then that in turn goes back to you go girl or what i guess what is that relationship work between you all what you're doing and then the nonprofit. so basically we just want to be like the doorway mm -hmm. um so you know these organizations let's take you girl girl for example they are so committed um to their cause and they're they're invested in that like full time and um and so they don't have the time to necessarily go out and make the noise and that's what we want to make our focus is is just being the voice um so kind of what that looks like is we we try to get as much of the actual events sponsored and we we kind of want to kill two birds with one stone here um and so we choose smaller organizations to um kind of go out and then we we try to support them as well by giving them that extra publicity um and one thing that's really important is that um you know we do take care of ourselves here and so you know getting the chiropractor or masseuse those things are all part of the challenge as well um and then we obviously just go to organizations um and different companies and kind of showcase what we're doing and give them the opportunity to get involved but you know what's so impressive is i think um when at least when i started and i kind of became a fundraiser which is so out of my comfort zone but um <laughs> was I thought that I would be working with a little bit more corporations and that sort of thing. And, um, it was actually like the little guys and yeah. the private people that just really got behind us. And, you know, even now with the therapy of a thousand, the, the one we're training for, we we're just so touched by some of the little businesses that just like go gung ho, mm -hmm. um, runners edge here in Alaska. They're like some of our greatest fans and they're yeah. just incredible. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, we try to get ourselves kind of suited. We don't want to take anything from the challenge. So we work like independently ourselves and then, um, obviously get what we need sponsored. And then a lot of volunteers come and step up. The journeys are extreme. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Uh, we have some really nice moms. Yeah, we do. <laughs> they help us out a bit just to make sure, you know, we've got our electrolytes and whatnot. Um, so support crew is definitely necessary on the actual challenge. We've kind of, um, just through my experience with the 500, you know, you really own it, hone in on uh, what is needed and kind of what becomes overwhelming or unnecessary. And so, yeah, we kind of have compacted that a bit too. That's, that's awesome. So what is your, I, I guess, goal for, um, I guess, the amount that you want to raise for them for, for this particular challenge? So yeah, for you, girl, girl, um, I would really love to pull in 50,000 um, because we'd like to fund their entire retreat. And, okay. and how, how many kids or individuals would that be their entire retreat? Yeah, uh, obviously, the more we raise, the more they can serve. So okay. we're trying to get at um, about $3,600 oh, wow. $3, per survivor. And the goal is to have 12. Okay. Um, 
obviously if we raise more, we just kind of start fueling the next retreat. Um, the retreat is a very powerful and obviously personal experience. And so mm-hmm. we don't, we would probably wouldn't want to have more than 12 in a single session. Um, cause it is, there's, there's a lot that comes out in that five days. Um, and so, yeah, if we could just, we could get that off the ground for them. And, and the reason that we, we chose you grow girl, which is kind of cool is they're a social enterprise. So they are in the pursuit of, of financing this themselves, but you know, they're two years into a business themselves and, um, they donate 60% of all their profits to the time to heal retreat. So it leaves a very small, like I would say growth margin for them to kind of play with. And so we could just accelerate the start date by getting this initial fund for them. That's awesome. And so did you, did you know to them prior before thinking about this challenge or did you learn about them along the way or? Yeah. So, um, I met them on the run and they actually facilitated our finish line. It was very sweet. They were related to one of the girls who, um, did some of the run with me. And so, um, I, and they actually had me come up to their, their farm. Um, and I did some video work for them and I had been up there, I think like two days, uh, working with them. And I was just floored. Um, their, their, their sincerity and their passion just absolutely moved me. And I hadn't actually decided what I was going to do for my next challenge. And I, but I knew I wanted to do it. And so it took about 24 hours <laughs> within meeting them. I was like, okay, I'm going back out and, um, just kind of cooked up something real quick. Thought that the Vancouver islands some kayaking, some biking, I was like, Oh, that sounds good. And, uh, and I, I presented it to them and it was a really actually sweet, tender moment. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, and, and obviously, you know, it's what they're doing is, is awesome, but it's obviously also a, a sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess what, what in those retreats, like what kind of, I guess, activities are like, I guess, or, or do you know much about what those retreats actually look like as far as like, you know, I guess how they're, they're helping those individuals like to kind of get back to normalcy, if that's the right way to phrase that or not, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not a topic we talk about often, so it can definitely be a hard one to grab a dialogue with, but um, the retreat is so unique because um, oftentimes we know that about 20% of survivors um, of any sort of sexual abuse are going to disclose. And so that leaves a very good portion of our population kind of silenced. And it can be obviously difficult to speak of those experiences. But what's so beautiful about the retreat is you show up and you're being treated for, you know, um, a circumstance that you don't actually have to share and explain. And many times, you know, that these individuals could be going to counseling or they could be participating in a somatic relief um, release, such as, you know, yoga or Tai Chi or something like that. But because they're not disclosing of their specific trauma, it can be very difficult to actually get to that core. Um, And so with the retreat, kind of the fundamental purpose of it is to have survivors come together to heal together and to form a connection knowing that they are understood without explanation. Um, So, you know, in that time, those five days, they've got 40 hours of, you know, very traditional instructional counseling. They have somatic release. A big portion of it is in therapy, um, which is just oh, pro- yeah. 
Yeah, exceptionally beneficial for spe specifically trauma survivors. Um, you know, and then they have different workshops and just a 12 week like post retreat um, support group. And then obviously any of those connections. And um, the founders of You Grow Girl are both survivors themselves. And one of them attended a retreat like this in the States, which also was gifted to her. And so, you know, I think similar to what Kaylee's done with her coaching, um, she received that benefit. And so she wanted to share it and pay it forward to others. That's, that's cool. And, uh, you know, obviously that uh, the, the whole situation itself is obviously nothing cool about that, but um, it, it's, it's cool that they're able to kind of open that up because like you said, there's, there's when that unfortunate thing does happen, you don't know, I'm assuming, you know, you don't know how to act. You don't know how to feel. You don't know what to do, all that kind of stuff. So being able to kind of create, create that environment where it kind of obviously not say that it's okay, but know how to deal with whatever emotions that you're going through, which going back to, even if that's, you know, a, a small percentage that go to that, that camp, but back to your original thing with the ripple effect, then, you know, you got to think that maybe they're can figure out strategic ways to maybe help someone else that they might be sensing had a, a similar um, experience um, like that. So, so that's, so that's cool. I was just curious exactly kind of how, how they kind of worked with something in, in that case. And like you said, uh, it's obviously not something I talk about often. So that's, so I'm kind of bouncing around in that way, but, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a foreign topic to many of us. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the hope, right. Is through these challenges, um, we go extreme because it takes a little bit of the wow factor, to, to get people paying attention. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think we could take a stroll down the street and, and raise $50,000. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've got an extreme, uh, an extreme cause here. So it's going to take some extreme effort. Yeah. Well, and I feel one big thing that Savannah and I have talked a lot about is, um, is if we can be uncomfortable for a little bit, it, it makes it, it makes a huge impact because a lot of the, I mean, I guess we've only, this will be the second challenge, but, but Savannah was raising funds for kids in Uganda who can't, who correct me if I'm wrong, but who cannot go to school yeah. unless they have shoes. And a lot of the kids in Uganda don't have shoes. Um, and so that, so they can't go to school. And then like you grow girl, um, we are helping victims of childhood sexual assault and I totally just lost my train of thought. Sorry about that. Um, oh, for us, us being uncomfortable, these people are in uncomfortable situations almost like constantly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so for us to be going and doing this for, I think for, you know, 20 days, 25 days is nothing compared to what they've gone through. And so, so that's kind of, I would say that's a pretty big idea behind a lot of the comfort zone is we are pushing ourselves out of our comfort because these survivors or these people that we're hoping to um, shine a light on are uncomfortable literally constantly. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a small portion of our sacrifice yeah. to, to do that for sure in comparison. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes, makes sense. Um, de definitely in that sense. So, 
I guess uh, switching the a little bit on the on the topic there to kind of that um, uncomfort as well. So, so what exactly is the next challenge going to look like? I know it's going to be some foot, some bike, some obviously long distance, that kind of stuff. What is that all going to entail? So it is, so it's actually kayaking and biking. Um, so we're starting from the bottom of Vancouver Island, kayaking 500 kilometers to the top through one of the most world-renowned places to see killer whales, which neither of us love killer whales that's not we don't love those um and then once we get there and we'll actually for two of the days we'll be self-sustained so we'll be on an island yeah we won't be docking yeah i mean we will be docking we just will docking but on an island and then um and then yeah after the 500 kilometers kayaking then we'll bike back down 500 kilometers Mm -hmm. and it's going to be obviously in March, so potentially very rainy. <laughs> we're, we're excited. It's going to be a hoot. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that sounds, sounds like a fun, uh, fun experience. What, what is your, uh, your beef with uh, killer whales? Oh, they're scary. fish, <laughs> <laughs> And I know it's supposed to make you fall in love. With killer whales, but to me, it just kind of left me with this fear that yeah, <laughs> that's they, so they attack things. Sometimes. We're just not going to flip our kayak. <laughs> uh, I think that's a good strategy, regardless. Probably so. I'm sure the water will probably still be chilly at that point too. So that's that's. <laughs> I did mention that if she sees one, that she is maybe going to flip the kayak and swim to shore. And- <laughs> So, uh, she played water polo and I did not. So she's the, you know, yeah, that's the theory. Just don't swim the other person. Yeah. Yeah. So the other person has a big fin, but anyways, that's, you know, besides the point. <laughs> um, so awesome. Well, so I always kind of like to, to wrap up kind of the conversations of, you know, what, um, what piece of advice do you have for the listeners as far as, you know, obviously in y'all's case, you have a pal, a, a, a passion for these challenging activities, um, you know, on the, on the website. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find what, what was it kind of, you know, getting out of your, your comfort zone, you know, obviously it allows you to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of, uh, impact you in different ways as it has here. So, and then also you're pairing that with working with these different nonprofits, different organizations, um, to, to do good. So I guess in that case, what would you say to inspire somebody to take on a similar challenge, you know, no matter kind of how big or how small with, with something good being attached to that as well? I think um, the biggest thing I've learned to is, is like, just don't be afraid to try. Yeah. Um, I think we live in a culture of perfectionism. And, you know, if you're going to try something that's difficult, there's no guarantee, but don't, you know, don't marry the guarantee, marry, marry the challenge. And, and, and we really use the word embrace, embrace discomfort. Um, and that means, you know, just, allowing all of the aspects of it to come into your life, whether, you know, it is a failure or a slip up or an injury, um, be okay with that and and be gentle on yourself. If you're trying something hard, it's going to be hard. 
and and don't be afraid of that that's definitely my thing yeah um I think that we can uh, we can do a lot more than we Mm. I don't know if it's that we don't allow ourselves or you know it's a mindset but we as people can do so much more physically mentally you know almost anything than we really think that we can and so just being able to yeah let yourself do what you want to do and push pushing hard is very uncomfortable but you can do it mm-hmm. and yeah and it's not going to feel good it's probably <laughs> going to feel pretty terrible but, but we can and yeah and <laughs> then it, your body grows with it <laughs> yeah it's just bridging that gap of having like oh I can't do this to I can do this and it's probably not going to feel good and there might be failure in the end but like you can and you should try. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of like, you know, shifting that, that mindset of what, what it means to fail. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. cause some people get stuck. Well, there's no way I'm going to climb this mountain. There's no way I'm going to run that long. I'm just not going to do it. So they never try. Yeah. Um, failure isn't always a, a bad thing in my mind. And the, the best part is half the time you're going to figure out how to do it anyway. So it's not even going to be a failure, but I think, uh, like, like you said, kind of figure out how to reframe that and discomfort is a path to freedom. That's what I was trying to say when I first asked that, that question, I know I saw that on the, on the website as well. So, um, which I think is, is kind of an awesome perspective also, but yeah. Yeah. One thing I always tell my athletes is they'll, they'll fall or get discouraged. And I always tell them, you know, when you fall, you're getting better, you know, the next time, maybe you won't fall. And, and, you know, I, I say it enough that they're like, I'm getting better, but it's, it's, you know, it's so true. It is so true that, yeah, yeah, we fall and then we get back up and we learn from why we fall, what we need to do, you know, maybe balance a little more or, you know, so, so it's super true. You fall, you get back up and you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I, I love it. And yeah, especially, you know, kind of bringing that other perspective to to the athletes that you work with as well, as well. So where where can people um, find you all online, um, social media, keep up with you know your journey, your next challenge, your, your, your challenge that's coming up, kind of all that good stuff? Yeah, so, um, well, I guess pre-warning, we have no filter on our social medias. <laughs> Um, it's under the comfort zone co, um, and that would be our website, Instagram and Facebook. Um, and yeah, obviously to reach out, just, uh, DM usually hits us quickest. Mm-hmm. We're not the most organized people. So email can be tricky. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, everyone definitely make sure, um, you, you check them out, check out the website and the, uh, there's a journal on there stuff, obviously social media, keep up with what they're up to. Uh, support their challenge if you can, of course, or their, their future ones. Um, but I wish, uh, wish you both the best of luck um, coming up in the new year with this, this next challenge. And then uh, for whichever ones follow that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And Hey, if you've made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion until next time.